4 gives us at least four paths for us as fathers to consider going down. First of all, there's the right path, or the path of wisdom. There's the wicked path. Number three, there's the just path. And number four, there's the path of your own feet. In other words, your own personal path. May we be honest enough this morning to admit which path we're walking on. Before we get started, I would like us to consider the author and the audience of Proverbs chapter 4. Well, immediately we see an, uh, the author is very quickly Solomon writing as a father to children. In fact, we see that very clearly in verse 1 and verse 10. It says this. It says, listen, to, listen, my sons, to a father's discipline and pay attention so that you may gain understanding. And then down verse 10 it says, listen, my son, accept my words and you will live many years. Right off the bat, he gives us who the audience is. And the audience, very clearly, are the children. And um, we, both, we have both here today. We have some of you that are fathers. And, of course, all of us at one time are other children, whether our, pres- our parents are here or not. Uh, we have a command to obey. So I, too, would like to highlight these truths to both our children and to us as dads as we look at this text this morning. And many of you, can I say this, children, I know this is Father's Day, but children, if you guys have your attention just for a minute, we have an obligation. We have an obligation as children to honor our parents. And honoring means to give value to, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it also means to be obedient, to do what we're told, when we're told to do it, with the right attitude. Uh, Dr. Ola used to always tell us that as uh, college students at Northland, Obedience is doing what you're told to do, when you're told to do it, with the right heart attitude. So you used to often say that if you go do whatever your parents told you to do with a lousy attitude, you haven't obeyed yet. Because God is concerned with our attitude as well as our action. And so for the first part of the message this morning, we're going to look at what God exhorts children to do. And then we're going to see how that is to take place. So many of us as children have brought great joy to our parents. But the flip side of that coin is true as well. Many of us have disregarded the instruction of our fathers. And that too has consequences. So hopefully today we'll consider the text and determine what to walk, which path to walk down. And hopefully we'll choose the right path. So for at least a few moments this morning, I want to notice at least ten exhortations that Solomon, as a father, gave to a child to uh, comply with. So first of all, in verse 1, it says this. It says, Listen, my sons, to a father's discipline, and pay attention so that you may gain understanding. Down in verse 10, Listen, there it is. My son, accept my words, and you will live many years. The very first thing that he tells his children to do is to listen. And I don't know about you, but that is sometimes difficult, isn't it? Come on, let's be honest, teenagers. Let's be honest, kids. Sometimes we don't want to listen. Sometimes our will is so stubborn. And sometimes we're so selfish. Uh, I can remember a couple of times, I know, um, I, may, I may shatter some of your images, but I wasn't the perfect child. Um, I can remember this little mannerism that I had as a kid. And uh, I don't know where it came from. I don't know how I picked it up. I don't know where it, how it developed. But every once in a while, my dad would tell me to do something. I'd go, Phew. You ever, oh, was that an 80s thing or a 90s thing? But I don't know, it's like, 
It's just like, I, as if what I was told to do was just the dumbest thing on the face of the earth. And I used to do that. My dad finally looked at me one day. He goes, he goes, you ever do that little thing again? You're going to wish to God you didn't. And I remember my dad, even though he was handicapped, it never fazed me once until I was in college that my dad didn't mean what he said and said what he meant. I mean, he said what he meant and meant what he said. And I tell you what, there was no mincing of words. And it never really hit me until I was in college that my dad couldn't spank me if he wanted to. He's in a wheelchair. But it never fazed me because there was respect for my dad. But I can remember, I didn't even want to listen. He would tell me to do something. I was like, Shh. And I, he goes, don't turn around before I'm done. I, uh, listen. You know, it's such a simple concept, but yet sometimes it's so hard to do because our flesh gets in the way. And that's what God wants us to do as well. He wants us to listen. What is it that God's trying to tell us? What is it that our parents are trying to tell us, children, that will help us in life? that will help us make the right choices, that will save us from heartache and, and pain and misery later. But he says this, and we're going to look at the benefit of that a little bit later. But the first thing he says is to listen. He said, hear this. Listen to me. Pay attention to what I'm saying. So he says, pay attention so that you may gain understanding. The whole idea behind listening is that it's going to help us. It's going to benefit us. And so God wants us to listen. Then down in verse 10, he reminds us again, accept my words and you will live many years. But then he doesn't stop with that, kids. Number two, he says, forsake not the law. And so in verse 2, he says, for I am going or giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. He says, don't abandon it. It's good for you. And I don't know about you, but there are times in our lives where we just don't want to listen because we think our way is better. And this is especially true as we're building in construction. And uh, I can remember uh, going to my dad's house. And as a, uh, I just graduated from Bible college. We were in our, our first ministry and, uh, and so forth, our second ministry. And uh, my dad, being in a wheelchair, he wanted a deck out the backside of his house. And dad just, you know, he had to know my dad. Go big or go home. Um, door-to-door salesmen, they loved my dad. My he is what it is. And, uh, but my dad wanted this big deck, and he didn't want just a 10-foot deck. He wanted a 12-foot out by 33-foot long, basically the whole length of the backyard of the house. And so uh, I went and did that, as uh, my wife can well remember. And, uh, you know, here it is. My dad's standing in the doorway of the French door, the, sl- or the sliding glass door, and I'm putting an entire deck on by myself. You know, I've, I've dug the footers, I've poured cement, I've gotten all the lumber dropped off from the, from the hardware store, and I'm going to town. And every 30 seconds, my dad was yelling out the window. Because he's in a wheelchair, he can't get up and walk and tell me. And I'm just like, if he yells out one more time. And my wife, as a brand new wife, was like, why is your dad doing that? Go ask him, please. <laughs> no. But I did not want to listen, but what he was trying to do was give me advice. I thought I could do it by myself. I didn't need his help. I I can handle this. But how often is that our mentality in life? I can do this myself. I don't need the help. I don't need the understanding. I don't need the instruction. And the bottom line is, he's saying, listen, you need to not forsake the law. Don't forsake what I'm trying to tell you. Scripturally, spiritually speaking, once again, God wants us to heed the same exhortation. He says, I'm giving you that which will help you. 
I'm giving you that which will help you uh, go further in life with less heartache, less pain. Don't forsake the law. Don't forsake the principles. Don't forsake the statutes and, and the things that you've been taught because they're for your good. Um, God's Word makes that very clear here in verse 2. It says, don't abandon my teaching. Well, number three, not only don't abandon it, verse 4 he says, He taught me and said, your heart must hold on to my words, keep my commandments, and live. So he says, he taught me and said, your heart must hold on to my words. To hold on to the words. How many of you can remember the statements that your parents have made to you? Especially your dad's. I can remember one specific statement I don't think I could ever forget. It's come, to, come into play so many times in my life, and I've shared it so many times. I can remember when I left home for the very last time. I was in my little S10 Chevy pickup, and uh, I put my seatbelt on. I mean, it is loaded to the, to the hilt. I am leaving my house for the very last time as a single person, getting ready to go to Texas to get married. And um, put it in reverse, I start to back up down the driveway. And all of a sudden, my dad comes out, and he goes, I mean, come on, guys. For real? I got my seatbelt on. It's in reverse. I'm going. I've done all the goodbyes. I've done all the hugs. I'm leaving. Now I come back in. And my dad looks around as I walk in, and I said, what, would I forget something? He goes, no. He goes, you see that? You see that? You see that? You see that? And he was pointing to the TV and the couch and everything in the house. And he says, it took your mother and I 30 years to get these things. Don't think you need it in the first year of your marriage. See you later. Have a safe trip. I will never forget that. And I think there are a lot of things that God tells us, a lot of things that our parents tell us, kids, that we need to remember. And if we remember them and apply them, they will be good for us for life. But how much more the things of God, he says, if you'll remember these things, if your heart will hang on to these things, you'll be better for it. And it's so true in our lives today that we need to recall the things that God has taught us and not be weary of them. Don't, don't let them become old. The very things that God has taught... I remember the things growing up in church and the Sunday school lessons, all of them, were to hang on to them because they'll be good for us and they'll help us become a better person of God. Then down in verse 5 and verse 7, there's another exhortation given to children. He says, Get wisdom, get understanding... Don't forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. Verse 7, wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding. He makes it very clear that we are to get wisdom. Wisdom is a unique thing. And we're going to read about it in just a moment. But wisdom is unique. See, a lot of people have information. Wisdom goes beyond information. Would you agree? See, it's an amazing thing how... Two doctors can go to the same school, can learn the same information. They can store all the data in their minds, but then they can use their information for two different things. One can use his information and and, and all the things that he has learned to save a life, and the other one could use the same information about the body to take a life as an abortionist. And the bottom line is, they have the same training, same knowledge, but they both don't have wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge applied correctly. And we need to understand that this is given to us. And he says, children, he's still talking to his children here, he says, get wisdom. 
In other words, the things that you are taught, the things that the information that you are giving from your parents, from God's Word, you're to hang on to them and apply them correctly so that you may become wise. And we're going to talk about more about that in just a moment. But verse 7, along with getting wisdom, is getting understanding. Properly applying and trying to understand what God's Word has for us. Number 7, take hold of instruction. We see that down in verse 13, where it says this. Hold on to instruction. Don't let go. Guard it, for it is your life. So instruction... He says the guard instruction because it is your life. I know, guys, we're not supposed to look at the instructions. This goes against the man code. Um, I'll just tell you, when we first got married, uh, we're driving down our honeymoon, and uh, we're going through the mountains of Arkansas, and going from Missouri into Arkansas, and, and uh, we're just you know carefree life, and all of a sudden I pull into a gas station. And my wife looks at me, she goes, what are you doing? I said, this, this thing is unclear. I'm not wasting a half a tank of gas. And she said something like, oh, thank God, there is a God. <laughs> Your dad didn't ask for instructions, directions. I didn't want to waste a half a, half a tank of gas looking for something where I could get instructions. But you know what? How often do instructions save us time, save us hassle, save us frustration? But how much more spiritually? How much more children, when our parents try to teach us how to do something, they try to take the time, they try to instruct us in how to do something, but half the time we just, eh, I got this one, I, I don't need help, I know how to do it. Um, God's Word is clear. And He says there's, there's an advantage to this. He says, hold on to instruction, don't let go, guard it, for it is your life. Guarding instruction. In other words, in order to hear instruction, you have to do what? You have to pay attention to it. You have to make yourself attentive to the person giving it to you. And you hold on to it. And you cherish it. And you make it part of who you are. Because it's that important. He says it's your life. Instruction is your life. And then number eight. He says this. Attend to your father's words. We see this in verses 20 and 21. It says, my son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them with your heart. So he says, number seven, take hold, I'm sorry, number eight, attend to your Father's words. God's word is clear once again. We're to listen to the words of our fathers. I can remember many times I didn't want to listen. I thought I knew better. I thought I could do it better. I thought I had the answer. And God just reminds us gently that no, you don't. God gave us parents for a reason. God gave us fathers specifically for a reason. And God wants us to learn from them. The question is, are we doing it? We're going to come back to some of these in a moment. Number 9, found in verse 23. Verse 23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. We're to guard our heart. What does that mean? Well, we need to take the time to make sure that our emotions, we oftentimes refer to our emotions as our heart, we're to guard that. And how do we do that? With information, with sound information, with uh, making sure that we are paying attention to what we know is true and what we know is right. So often we let our emotions get involved and it distorts our comprehension. It distorts uh, what we really know is right and true. 
You see it no clearer than sometimes in relationships. And our heart is, our heart is vested, but our mind is not thinking clearly. Sometimes a parent sees it in a kid, oh, it's just puppy love, but the kid can't see it. You know, sometimes we're too close. He says, guard your heart. Put parameters up. Put principles involved. or put, uh, Make sure there's biblical principles involved. And then number 10, found in verse 24. Another one that's very clear. Verse 24 says this. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly, and don't let your lips talk deviously. So in other words, through a father, he says, your words are to be correctly spoken. Your words are to be pure. Your words are not to be of lies. They're not to be of slander. They're not to be, uh, you know, anything that would, would be contrary to God's word. So don't let your mouth speak dishonestly. You're to speak honestly. No lying. You know what a little exaggeration is? It's a big lie. Sometimes we learn to exaggerate. You know, I got the fish is this big. It was this big when it was actually this big. Or whatever. He says, make sure your words are true and honest. These are the things that a child is to do. So, first of all, children, how are we doing with those things? Are we listening to our parents? Are we keeping the law? Are we retaining the words? Are we keeping His commandments? Are we getting wisdom? Are we getting understanding? Are we attending to our Father's words? Are we taking hold of instruction? Are we keeping our heart with all diligence? Are we putting away... Uh, a lying and perverse lips. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 5, it says this, A fool despises wisdom, but a, a father's instruction. You know, if we're wise, we will pay attention and listen to all the things that God has for us to learn from our parents. But he says a fool will despise a father's instruction. So, children, how are we doing? Are we foolish or are we wise concerning the things that God has given us to learn through our parents. So, the question is then this. How is a child to learn these things? I mean, if a child is supposed to be hearing and, and, and keeping the law and, and retaining the words, how is he supposed to be taught these things? Dads, that's where you enter the picture. God has placed that responsibility on all of us. In fact, if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6 just for a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, chapter 6. And I want to read just a couple of verses here. Verses 7 through 9. Verse 7 says this. Actually, verse 6. These words that I am giving you today are to be on your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road. And when you lie down and when you get up, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be as a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So God has placed the responsibility of training our children on us as dads. And sometimes I have to admit, that's not easy. Oftentimes we're so busy that we don't take the time. And it's awfully sometimes humbling when our kids will on Father's Day or on a birthday or on a, some other special day will give us a card and say, thank you for being the best dad. And we know in our hearts we have failed at some things. And they'll say, oh, you're the greatest dad, and we know that we have not been consistent. It's our responsibility to train our kids. Um, last week, um, David sent me a text. 
And uh, he just simply said, thank you for being the best dad ever. And I think to myself, I love my son. I love the fact that he thinks that. But man, I know my shortfalls. And I know how I failed. In fact, I was talking with Paul Wagner. I said, man, kids are overbearing. They overlook a lot of our faults. And I'm so thankful that God works despite us. But dads, it's our responsibility. It's our, our job to train our children. How do they know to... Listen. We teach them to listen. And can I just say this, dads? You don't reason with a two-year-old. You don't reason with a three-year-old. God's Word is very clear throughout Proverbs. You spare the rod, you hate the child. It's our responsibility at times to discipline. Especially in our home, we said we discipline for direct disobedience. Sometimes kids just do dumb things. And I'll tell you a couple stories real quick. Um, we used to say in our house growing up that if if we did not know where David was, if it's quiet for 30 seconds, you better find him because at one minute, destruction is taking place. I kid you not. And some of you have heard a couple of these stories, but I'm just telling you. Those of you that have little children, those of you who remember changing diapers, you remember this thing called Desidin? Nasty, nasty stuff. David took a whole tube of Desidin and went and stepped on it until it squirted all over the bathroom floor. And then he rubbed it all in the floor. How do you get that stuff up? Well, Don dealt with it, really, but I mean, it's nasty. It's, it's, like, it's like grease to the ultimate. It would probably lube bearings, I'm not sure. Um, it, it could probably be heat resistant for vehicles and so forth, but whole tube, just all over, smashed into the carpet, or I mean, into the uh, bathroom floor. Uh, we walked in there another time. David was quiet for 30 seconds. You've got to catch him before a minute. Uh, and David is in there with a whole big bottle of Johnson baby powder. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. Powder everywhere. I'll tell you one more. This is kind of the best one. We're all dressed, ready to go to church. You know, of course, our first church was Tippecanoe Community Church. We're, we're, we just lived across the way, about 100 yards from the, from the church. And so, you know, I always went over early. And I'm like, where's Don this morning? I can't find her. I get to church, or she gets to church a little bit later, and I'm like, what's going on this morning? She goes, your son. <laughs> David had his little suit on as a little boy, you know, like a two-year-old. He had his suit on, and he had his feet, both of them, down in the toilet. Whoosh! Mommy, I slush! I slush! Slush! He was sitting in the toilet, standing in the toilet, flushing the toilet, watching the swirl. In his suit and dress clothes. And dress shoes. Yeah. So do you spank for that? No. You, you discipline for direct disobedience. Then those things you laugh and clean it up and tell stories later. I said later. <laughs> you, you laugh later about what took place. At the moment, you want to shoot. But you know what? Sometimes, parents, we need to teach our kids to listen. And when you don't listen... You don't reason with a two-year-old. You don't reason with a one-year-old. You discipline. You always discipline for direct disobedience. And God's word is clear. You, hate, you spare the rod, you hate the child. That's not my words, that's God's. He said discipline. I'm telling you, as a kid, I got my hind end tanned, and it didn't scar me for life. But some of us need to learn to make our kids listen and to make them understand because it's for their good. 
Teach them to have appreciation for the law, for the commandments, for the Word of God. And if you don't have a love for it as a father, don't expect your kids to have a love for it. That's just the truth. And if we don't spend time in God's Word and make it a part of who we are, don't be surprised when your kids don't. Dad, it's your responsibility to be the living example in this area. Retaining His words, is that just when it's convenient? When it's a when, it, when, it, when it's okay in the situation? No, it's for everyday life. And if you remember God's word in the difficult times, don't expect your children to remember God's word in the difficult times. We have to model that and teach that because it's not natural. Keeping God's commandments? Dad, why don't we lie? Because God's word says we don't lie. Why don't we cheat? Because God's word says we don't cheat. We're to be a people of integrity. We're to be honest. We live it out. And if we don't live it out, don't expect your children to live it out. Why do we get wisdom? Why do we spend time in God's Word to gain wisdom? Because it's right to do. But if you don't do it, don't expect your kids to do it. And the list goes on. Understanding, taking hold of instruction, attending to our Father's words, keeping your heart with all diligence, putting away a forward mouth. And I just found in my life that when I speak nasty of someone... I shouldn't be surprised if my kids do it. We've got to watch these things. And it's our responsibility to teach them. According to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, God says, here it is. Now make it available to your kids. And train it. Put it on the walls of your house. Put it on your doorpost. Talk about it. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, he says, don't exasperate your children. Don't provoke them to anger. Sometimes we are good at that because, guys, we want what we want when we want it. I remember as a younger father, go do this. Can I do it later? No, I said do it now. Well, I'm doing it. Can I do it? I said now. I said do it now. And we're impatient. And by our impatience, we provoke. We're all guilty of it. Sometimes we are not very patient as men. And God wants us to teach them and model it. He says, don't exasperate your children to anger, but do what? Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's our responsibility as men. Wisdom. What is it? Well, Proverbs chapter 4, if you would turn back there for a moment here. In Proverbs chapter 4, he gives us four things concerning wisdom. Starting in verse 6. Verse 5 tells us to get wisdom, right? Verse 6, he says, Don't abandon wisdom, and she'll watch over you. Love her, and she will guard you. Wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom, and whatever else you get, get understanding. Verse 8, Cherish her, and she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. And she'll place a garland of grace on your head, and she'll give you a crown of beauty. But the first thing it says there, verse 6, is don't abandon wisdom. Don't abandon it. If you know what is right, if you know how to understand what is right, then do it. Don't walk away from it. But here's the blessing of it. If you don't abandon wisdom, she will watch over you. Wisdom will protect you, in other words. It says, wisdom, uh, it says love her and she'll guard you. Love wisdom and she'll guard you. It will protect you once again. 
Wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom and whatever she'll get understanding. Cherish her, and she'll exalt you. If you embrace her, she'll honor you. Let me talk about this just for a moment. Embracing wisdom, taking the information that God gives us, more than just data, more than just information, applying it correctly in the aspects of our life, and you'll be honored for that. What does honoring mean? Honor means to give value to something. In other words, if I have a pen, I say, well, this is my pen, and I'm going to honor this pen, that means I'm going to attribute a value to it. It's worth something. In other words, he says, when you embrace wisdom, you'll be worth something. In other words, it's not for not. It's value to your life to exercise sound wisdom in all the areas of life. And then it says, to children. What is the reward of this? Well, he says in, in Ephesians chapter 6, 1 verse 1 through 3, he says, Children, obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. What? That your days may be long on the earth. And then he tells us again in Proverbs chapter 4, in verse 10, it says this, um, Listen, my son, accept my words, and you will live many years. So, long life is a result of obedience. Of, of living a life that is pleasing to God and walking in wisdom. And not only that, verse 12, he says this, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. So, number two, God will bless your steps. When I live correctly, when I live obediently, God will bless our steps. And then number three, is found in verse 22, he says this, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. So the bottom line is number three is there is life and health. That is a wonderful reward to obeying what our parents give to us to do. So there's the right path or the path of wisdom we find in verse 11 where it says this, I am teaching you the way of wisdom. I'm guiding you on straight paths. So that is the first path. It's the right path. It's the path of wisdom. So question our children, dads, are we walking on that path? Are we walking on the right path, the path of wisdom? Number two, there is a wicked path, and we see this in verse 14, a second path that's highlighted. It says, don't set foot on the path of the wicked. Don't proceed in the way of evil ones. So there's an exhortation, secondly, to get off the path of wickedness. So well, what's that? That's common sense. It's anything that's contrary to God and what he loves. If God doesn't love it, we shouldn't love it. If God's not for it, we shouldn't be for it. If God wouldn't laugh at it, we shouldn't laugh at it. We should hate the things that God hates, love the things that God loves, but if we're on the path of the wicked, we need to get off of it. He said avoid it at any, at any cost. And God's Word tells us in Psalm 1.1, it says, Blessed is the man that what? Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's that wicked path. God wants us away from that. And we know that we're to avoid this path according to verse 15. It says this. It says, avoid it, don't travel on it, turn away from it, and pass by it. In other words, you run when it's a path of wickedness. You get away from it at any cost. And uh, men, can I just say this just for a moment? You need to guard your eyes. You need to guard your thoughts. What you think about, what you see ultimately sometimes becomes actions. So we need to guard it. 
and the things that we look at, the things that we listen to, the things that we put before our eyes, especially on the computers, on the Internet. Guard your eyes. Run from it. Avoid it. Get rid of the computer if necessary. Because it's destroying relationships all over America. We need to guard ourselves in this area. It leads to unrest, according to verse 16. It leads to more sinfulness, according to verse 17. It says, They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The, verse 16, For they can't sleep unless they have done what is evil. And they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone else stumble. Those that do wickedness encourage other people to do wickedness. You've heard the phrase, birds of a feather flock together. When somebody is characterized by wickedness, get away from them. Don't have anything to do with them. We're to totally go out of the way so that they're not part of our life. Verse 15, we're just to avoid this. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 24, it kind of gives us the opposite side of the coin there. He says this, When you lie down, you will not be afraid. You will lie down and your sleep will be pleasant. That's the opposite of being part of the wicked. The wicked, they have to imply. I mean, how often does a man walk into a a huge bank and rob it by himself? No, he's always got to have a team. There's always got to, when someone's doing wrong, they always encourage others to do wrong with them because they don't want to do it alone. And so we're to avoid the wicked path. But then we see another one. In verse 18. Oh, actually, one more part of the wicked path. According to verse 19, it leads to darkness. It leads to darkness. Then number three, there's the just path that we read about in verse 18. He says, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, shining brighter and brighter until midday. So there's the just path, and there's light in that path. It's a path that leads to openness. And once again, God's blessing. But then, unfortunately, we see one final path. And that's found in verse 26. It says, Carefully consider the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or turn to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. But he says, Carefully consider the path of your feet. Well, there's the right path. Then there's the wicked path. Then there's the just path. And Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The bottom line is there is light walking on that path. But then number four, there's the path of your own feet. And there's where it gets really dangerous. In, in, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So we need to guard our own feet. We need to guard our own path to make sure that it's not rooted in selfishness or what I think is best or what I think is right. And the bottom line is it need, our feet need to be on a path that is surrendered to God and His will. Because what I may think is right may not be what God knows is right. So we're to guard that as men. We need to guard it all of us, but especially as men. He says, let thy ways be established. Keep on the straight and narrow. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Just keep going down the path that God has for you. And then there will be peace and safety. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says what? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways, what? Acknowledge Him. And He will direct our paths. You want to be on the right path? You've got to trust God. You've got to trust Him completely and implicitly. 
Because God does not make mistakes. And as men, if we're willing to trust our lives into the hands of God, and then to live out those principles in our own life, and then to teach them to our children, which is our responsibility, then God will bless. But we both have responsibilities, both as children and as dads. As children, we're to obey and honor. As dads, we're to teach them to do those things. What kind of job are we doing? I don't know about you, but these are one of the very things I love about coming to men's Bible study. Because you never know what the discussion is going to be about and how God will take that discussion and help us as men. You never know what kind of friendships will be made because so-and-so opened up to so-and-so and because of it, a bond has been created and started and they're helping with one another in their, in their walks, with, walks with the Lord and in their relationships and so forth. Guys, we need to do this. It's not just a good, a good, a good suggestion. It's not just a great idea. These are exhortations that God has given us as men for our families. We must model it. And here's the great thing about God and His Word. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. You can't go back and change the past, right? I mean, I I think all of us, at some point or another in our life, said, man, I wish I could go back and do this differently. I wish I've done a little bit more of that, a little bit less of this. I wish I would have made that more important, this a little bit less important. The past is the past. But here's the thing. It's never too late to start doing what is right according to what we know to do. It's never too late to start over again. I know a lot of us would love to change a few things, but you can't. We thank God for what we've done. We thank God for the lessons that we've learned. We thank God for how he's worked despite us. And then we renew with fresh vigor and with a new commitment to God help me live today. In light of your word, in light of your principles, help me to live today according to what I know is right. It's never too late to start doing right again. I don't know where you're at, men. I don't know what kind of things are going on in your families. I only know my own. And I know in my family that I've been a little selfish over a lot. Look back at all the years, I can see areas and chapters of my life where I've been selfish. Sometimes a hobby, sometimes a, um, a goal that I had got in the way of rearing my children. Sometimes my own selfishness gets in the way. Well, I've worked hard all day, so I don't want to deal with that. You deal with that. Sometimes we as men can be so stinking selfish. We lay the responsibility on our wives. But the responsibility, according to Ephesians 6, verse 4, is on you men. It's on me. It's on you. It's on all of us to do what's right, to be the example to our children. And it's never too late to start doing right. Let's pray.